This is definitely one of those mornings where you try to warm up your hands, and as much as you're trying, I'm sitting on them, they just won't warm up. I brought this nice warm suit jacket, and I looked all nice, and then I put it down somewhere. So see a suit jacket by one of your seats, uh, please let me know and grab it before you leave. <laughs> Still looking for it. Oh, there it is. Thank you, Tim. So it's such a privilege uh, to be here with you this morning. I want to start by sharing a story with you. About five years ago, my wife, Danae, was feeling really sick. I took her to the doctor. Our dismay, the visit, did not go well. After running some tests, the doctor found a lump on my wife's throat, and she confidently told us that it was cancerous. I still remember the look on Danae's face when we left the office. We were utterly devastated. My 21-year-old wife and I had only been married for a year at this point, and we rightfully feared the worst. After going in for a biopsy to see if the lump was malignant and spreading, we had to wait several weeks for the results. I questioned God so many times during those weeks. Why did you let this happen? How could things turn out this way? This is the worst timing ever. What are you doing? I could not wrap my mind around why God would have allowed this in our lives. We felt like we were up against a giant, and we didn't know if we could win. The giant that I faced that day was the possibility of my wife dying. And I would venture to say that today, we all face giants in our lives. So what's your giant? Maybe you think that God can't fix the relationship with your spouse. Or maybe you think he can't fix the relationship you have with your kids. Perhaps your child has left home and you don't know if they're ever going to come back. It makes you sick because as a parent, you can't take care of them anymore. And you would do anything just to have them back. The giant that you face could be busyness. You can sit down. You can't sit down for 30 minutes and read your Bible and pray without a million thoughts racing through your mind. Maybe your health is poor. You've been sick for a long time. And God still hasn't delivered you from the pain. Your giant could be the financial mess that you're stuck in. And you're not sure how you're going to get out. You can be struggling with pornography. And no matter how many times you've tried to break that addiction, it still haunts you and comes back. Maybe it's that your parents are putting an overwhelming amount of pressure on you. You feel like you're at the brink of blowing up. Do you struggle with your self-image? Perhaps that's led to an eating disorder or possibly even cutting yourself. Because you'll do anything just to dull the pain. The list can go on and on, can it? And I know that at some point we've got to wonder, can we ever courageously overcome these things? I know that I struggle sometimes with trusting God, especially when things get difficult. Rather than banking on the fact that God is in control, I can lose sight of him and his awesome love for me. Some people here in this room are facing substantial struggles. 
and no one else even knows. These struggles are destroying you, making you powerless, ineffective, and are causing you to lose faith. You've probably been facing these giants alone. And some people have even stopped following after God because these giants have caused them to lose hope. On the outside, you look great, but your insides are churning because you just know things are not right. Now, don't raise your hands, but a lot of us are here, aren't we? The story we read a few minutes ago about the Israelites can strike a chord in all of our hearts because they face giants just like all of us do. The Israelites were told by God to enter a new land, but they were up against a fearsome foe, and they were absolutely terrified. Up to this point, the Israelites had an amazing story. They were stuck in slavery to Egypt for over 400 years, and they had lost all hope. But at the perfect time, God raised up a man named Moses to deliver his people out of Egypt. After miraculously sending ten plagues on the Egyptians, the Israelites were finally delivered from slavery. It was incredible, and the Egyptians wanted them to leave so badly that they gave them all their gold and jewelry as parting gifts. But God didn't stop there. On their way out, he parted the Red Sea for the Israelites to pass through. When the Egyptian army chased after them, God closed the Red Sea on them. And destroyed one of the most powerful armies in the world. Now pause for a moment and put yourself in the Israelites' shoes. Think about how much faith and how much confidence you would have had in that moment. God just did so many miraculous things in their lives. And they must have been over the moon and jumping with joy. Scale from 1 to 10, their confidence level was at an 11. Right after they escaped, they even burst out into song, singing this. Your right hand, Lord, was majestic in power. Your right hand, Lord, shattered the enemy. In the greatness of your majesty, you threw down those who opposed you. That sounds like someone who's pretty confident, doesn't it? God had delivered them from Egypt, and now he was bringing them to a new land. God had promised them that this land in Canaan would be theirs, And all they had to do was go in and take it. And rather than seeing Israel triumph, we witness one of the biggest faith failures. They were riding high, and it's hard to believe that only a few days later, they were bowing down to a golden calf, rather than worshiping the God who had delivered them. Have you ever been in a situation like this before? God was so great. Life was good, and suddenly you found yourself in a place where you abandoned your trust in God. How did the Israelites fail to remember what God had done in their lives? How do we so quickly overlook his goodness to us? Listen to this. The Israelites forgot because they lived in the moment. They couldn't pass their own nose And they were so obsessed about the here and the now that they missed out on what God was doing. If you get stuck living in the moment, you will lose faith every single time. When the Israelites explored the land that God was telling them to take, 
Listen to what they say about it in Deuteronomy 1. They said, where can we go? Our brothers have made our hearts melt in fear. They say the people are stronger and taller than we are. The cities are large with walls up to the sky. When you live in the moment, it's amazing how much you can fear and how much you can exaggerate things. The person who's giving you trouble at work all of a sudden becomes Satan incarnate. The giants in your life go from 7 feet to 11 feet tall. The cities that might be a little big turn into huge cities with large walls up to the sky. It's amazing how once you set your mind on fear and the moment you're in, the obstacle and situation you face becomes almost impossible to overcome. When someone is facing a giant, when they are scared, when they feel like they'll never overcome it, do you know how important encouragement is? Encouragement can greatly build courage in someone. But likewise, discouragement can be just as potent. The discouragement from others can change your attitudes and actions and can ultimately wreck your faith. In the book of Numbers, we read the account of Moses sending 12 spies to scout out the land that God had promised to them. They were only supposed to spy out the land to see the best route to take in. But listen to their reports when they came back. They gave Moses this account. We went into the land to which you sent us. And it does flow with milk and honey. It's a great land. Here's the fruit. But the people who live there are powerful. And the cities are fortified and very large. We even saw descendants of Anak there. Then Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, We should go up and take possession of the land, for we can certainly do it. But the men who had gone up with him said, We can't attack those people, for they are stronger than we are. And they spread a bad report among the Israelites. A bad report about the land they had explored. Discouragement from the ten spies wrecked the Israelites' faith. All of a sudden, their problems got big. And God got small. What seemed easy to achieve before quickly became insurmountable. Joshua and Caleb were the only two spies who trusted that God would give them the land. They knew they were up against a frightening enemy. But they had faith that God would deliver on his promise. The problem is this. They were the only two spies who trusted in God to conquer the giants. And the discouragement from the rest of them caused the people to turn away in fear. That generation of Israelites was actually never able to inherit the land that God had promised. And it all started with the discouragement from those ten spies. Listen to this. Discouraging words are so powerful that they sometimes have devastating and long-lasting results. Now, has the discouragement from others kept you from doing something that you know you're supposed to do? Or has the discouragement that you've given someone kept them from being obedient to God? A student in my youth group had an incredible desire to serve and wanted to help others. One time, we were going on a trip to Newark to serve some homeless people, and her parents gave her such a hard time about going on the trip. They did not want their daughter going to Newark 
and they discouraged the faith that God was building in her. Is it scary to go to the heart of Newark? Absolutely. But do we ever think that God could be putting our kids in challenging situations because he wants to build their faith? Parents who discourage their kids in an effort to protect them could be missing the very opportunity that God wants to use in their lives. I have to admit, I'm right there with you. I want to protect my kids as much as I can. But man, when they get older and I know they're going to be in challenging situations, I'm going to be praying a lot and talking to you guys and asking for wisdom. But we all need to come back to this. And we need to be reminded that faith can be greatly built by encouragement, but it can just as easily be torn down by the discouragement from others. Discouragement is also an interesting thing because it seems like the people who love you the most give you the worst advice. Instead of focusing on what God wants you to do and what he says, their first reaction might be selfish. Or they might try to play the angles in the situation. Before you know it, you're discouraged by what's been said to you. And your desire to follow after what God has said completely goes away. Have you ever heard of this thing called myopic vision? I've never worn glasses, so I had no clue what it meant. But basically, myopic vision means that you're nearsighted. Objects that are close to you are clearly seen. But as the objects move further away, they become more and more blurry. When you live in the moment, fear and discouragement engulf you. That's how you see life. You can only see what's right in front of your face. And everything else seems blurry and out of reach. Joshua and Caleb, they didn't live in the moment. They had a long view of the past and a longer view of the future. They clearly saw what God had done and what he was going to to do. And that's how they began to conquer the giants in their life. So maybe you're living in the moment. Maybe you've allowed fear and discouragement to dictate your choices. So what do you do now? How do you conquer those giants in your life? What steps do you need to take? You can stand to face the giants when you courageously put your faith in God. Now, before we talk about courage, do the names Shamua, Igol, Palti, Sether, or Nabi ring a bell? Some of you might think I'm a little crazy if I expect you to know those names. But those were the names of some of the spies who searched out the promised land. Why don't we know those names? Why don't we even remember them? Because they lacked faith. They didn't trust God to give them the land. On the other hand, Joshua and Caleb, they're very popular names. My nephew's name is even Caleb. They, the other ten Israelite spies, doubted what God could do. They feared the unknown, and they worried about the land. Listen to what they said. They said, the land we explored devours those living in it. All the people we saw there are of great size. We saw the Nephilim there. We seem like grasshoppers in our own eyes, and we look the same to them. Those ten spies actually called themselves grasshoppers. Can you imagine calling yourself a grasshopper? My wife probably thought about that a few times, and maybe yours has as well. 
But can you imagine calling yourself that? What does a grasshopper do? Only thing he knows how to do is hide in the grass and hop away. These men were running from their fears. But Joshua and Caleb, they stood strong in the midst of them. In Mexico, there was a pastor named Fernando who wanted to make a difference in his community. He had the courage and the faith that God would use him. And in just a few short years, he planted two very successful churches. Despite the dangers and threats he faced, he continued to courageously pour his life into ministry, and the churches were growing. One day, an extremely dangerous drug cartel called Lositas approached Pastor Fernando. Just to give you a glimpse of how dangerous this gang is, the U.S. government considers them to be the most technologically advanced, sophisticated, and dangerous cartel in the entire country of Mexico. One day, Fernando received a phone call from the gang, and he was told that they would be at his house in 30 minutes. Can you imagine that? Getting that call from that gang? Telling them, hearing that they're going to be at your house in 30 minutes? If he did not give the gang thousands of dollars... They would come into his house and kill his family. Afterwards, they promised to burn down his house and his churches. Pastor Fernando, he knew that he didn't have the money that the gang wanted, and he was terrified. He quickly spent a few minutes in prayer and knew that God was telling him to leave immediately. In 20 minutes, he convinced his wife, and they left their house, possessions, and everything they knew and fled to a completely unknown country. It was an extraordinary circumstance to face, but they trusted in God to give them an extraordinary courage. This summer, our youth group had the privilege of meeting Pastor Fernando and his family while we were on a missions trip. We asked Pastor Fernando's wife, we said, you must be superhuman. How did you courageously overcome these things when you were faced with these struggles? She told us that she was just an ordinary person and was terrified throughout the whole situation, but she never took her eyes off Christ. They were able to overcome their struggle and be courageous because they put their faith completely in him. When you think about Joshua and Caleb, do you think that they were afraid? Of course they were. I know for certain they had to be, but they trusted God more than their fears. In the book of Joshua, some years later, when they actually enter the promised land, God has to remind Joshua three times to be strong and courageous. Why did God have to remind him of this? Because it's hard to have courage when you're going up against a giant. God will give you an equal measure of courage for the problem that you face. Courage isn't something that we just say we have But it requires an act. It doesn't mean that you won't be afraid. But you have to take a step. And when you do, God will increase your faith. Layer by layer. Brick by brick. Step by step. The second way that you can stand to face the giants. Is when you obediently put your faith in God. Joshua and Caleb. They were called fools. Naive. And even ignorant, because they bucked the trend and went against what everyone else was saying. They chose to roll the dice and trust God with their future. 
when every other person was against them, they held on to what God had said and remembered all that he had done for them. When you are facing a giant, you need to continually come back to that. Remember all that God has provided for you and take refuge in that. Hold on to that with all your might. Now, it's not easy by any means, but God is calling you to the same obedience that Joshua and Caleb had. But what makes it so hard? Why do we have such a difficult time listening to God, especially when we know he's right? A big thing that keeps us from being obedient to him is our fear of others. We tend to have an oversized craving for people's approval and an oversized fear of other people's rejection. When our need for approval and our fear of rejection get blown out of proportion, our decisions are affected and we go against what we know is right. So are you second-guessing your decisions based on what other people might think? Are you afraid of what people will say about you if you are obedient to God? When I was younger... I had the amazing opportunity to go to Nigeria on a missions trip. During the trip, I got to work in a pharmacy and dispense life-saving medicine to the people who came to see the doctor. It was amazing and a great feeling that I was able to hand people these pills that would save their life. I enjoyed what I was doing on the trip, but it was easy, and I didn't really feel like I needed a lot of faith. I was like, this is a missions trip. I should need faith. But I didn't really feel like I needed it. That would soon change, however, and it came in the most unexpected of places. It was not until the ride home where my faith and obedience to God would be tested. On our flight back to the U.S., there was a man on the plane who began to cry and scream out in pain. There was such a commotion that the pilot had to come back and try to calm the man down. Now, at that point, I wasn't sure if I was more worried that there was no one flying the plane or that there was a guy screaming in the back. They couldn't get him to stop screaming, so they cleared a row on the crowded plane for him to lay across the seats. The problem with that was it didn't help, and it made a lot of people mad for giving up their seats. He was still in pain, and he was letting everyone know about it through his moaning and screaming. Now, I sat there in my seat, probably about 15 rows up from him. And I did what every Christian would do. I said a little prayer for him. But I'll never forget, as soon as I said that prayer, God began to speak to my heart. He told me to get up out of my seat, to go over to the man, to put my hand on him, and to pray for him. So being the excellent pastor's kid that I was, I told God, no way. And that I would never in my life do something like that. I explained to God because I thought that he needed to be reminded that my prayers were just as powerful from my comfortable seat on the plane and there was no way I was walking over to this man. Well, after several minutes of arguing with God, I knew that I was being disobedient and I knew that I would never feel peace until I did this. It was one of the harder things I've done in my life. But I remember I slowly got up out of my seat. I walked back to the man and I prayed for him. I remember as I prayed, there was a lady sitting in the row behind him and she laughed at me for praying for him. 
After I prayed, I sheepishly walked back to my seat and sat down. After about three minutes had passed, it got quiet. And I looked back, and the man had fallen asleep. His crying, yelling, and moaning that had gone on for at least an hour and a half turned to a nice, loud snore. And my doubt turned into a sincere faith. God wants us to obey him. And through our obedience, he wants to bless us. The problem is that there are always reasons for why you can't do what God is calling you to do. Rather than making up excuses for not listening, we need to step out in faith. Jim Elliott, a missionary who gave up his life while serving God, once said this, Rest in this. It is his business to lead, command, impel, send, call, or whatever you want to call it. It is your business to obey, follow, move, respond, or what have you. Just like courage, our obedience towards God requires us to act. We can say that we want to obey God until we are blue in the face, but until we go out and do it, it means nothing. I love sharing that story of my plane ride back from my missions trip because it was one of the one times where I saw the results of my obedience. However, it doesn't usually work out that way, does it? We don't usually see the results of when we listen to God, and that's part of what makes it so hard. But the beauty of obeying is that it tremendously builds our faith because we have to step out on a ledge. We come out and say, Here I am, God. I don't know what you're doing. I don't fully understand. I can't even explain it to others. But I trust you. My faith is in you. I believe that you will come through for me. You've done it before, and I know that you can do it again. I know you're with me. Joshua and Caleb were looked at as fools to the entire nation of Israel because they trusted and listened to what God had said. But in the end, who turned out to be the fool? It was the Israelites who disobeyed what God had said. Now, if we can learn to obediently put our faith in him, we can stand to face the giants in our lives. So remember that story I started telling you about Danae? We were up against a giant. I was struggling with the fear of losing my wife, and I didn't know how I was ever going to get through it. I expected that God would bless my young marriage with health and happiness and joy. And when he didn't, boy, was I angry. But it was during those few weeks, while we waited for the results from the doctor, that God did some amazing things. We took the youth group on a missions trip that we had scheduled months earlier. And during that trip, one student accepted Christ. And we, when we got back, ten more got baptized. It was awesome. And the one kid who accepted Christ, he's now working part-time as a youth pastor down in South Jersey. Now it was even more amazing because God didn't stop working there. A week after the missions trip, Danae and I took our youth group to a camp. Danae was asked to give a message on having faith in the midst of the struggle. Of course they would ask her to do that, right? And several more kids accepted Christ. And they got baptized. I'll never forget, one kid was there and he said, I need to be baptized right now. And we said, well, let's go home first and we'll do it at church. And he goes, no, right now. And we had a pool there. So we baptized him in the pool and we videotaped it for everybody to watch. 
It was incredible to see how God was somehow able to use us in our struggles and our brokenness to work in the people around us. We didn't know how sick Danae was or how it was going to change our life. And the only thing we had to hold on to at that point was God. A few days after we got back from camp, we got the test results back from the doctor. And thankfully, the lump on my wife's neck wasn't spreading, but she did have some serious health problems. Even now, we're still working through uh, some of those issues, but our faith is radically stronger. And it gives me some great sermon illustrations. (laughs) Sometimes it's hard to be confident in God's promise because in the midst of the struggle, it looks so bleak, doesn't it? At that point, don't forget to look back at all that God has done in your life to remind you of his faithfulness to you. The Israelites should have looked back. They should have remembered how only two years ago, God had miraculously delivered them from Egypt. These were the very people whose shoes walked across the Red Sea on dry land. At one point, right before they're about to enter the promised land, Moses tried to encourage them and remind them of God's goodness. He said to them, do not be terrified. Do not be afraid of them. The Lord your God who is going before you will fight for you as he did for you in Egypt before your very eyes and in the wilderness. There you saw how the Lord God had carried you as a father carries his son all the way until you reached this place. I love that image. Isn't it amazing? God was fighting for Israel. And beyond that, he was carrying them as a father carries his son. If you have a child, you know that when you're holding them, never in a million years would you let anything bad happen to them. God was doing that for Israel. He wanted to work mightily in their lives. He wanted to give them victory over the giants, but they got caught living in the moment and forgot all the amazing things he had done. When you're in the midst of the struggle, when you forget about God's love and affection for you, when it doesn't feel like God's fighting for you or carrying you anymore, you need to come back to the cross. Jesus Christ was God. And in the book of Colossians, it says that he was there at creation. Jesus saw the entire plan unfold for mankind. And he knew that one day he would have to face the cross. In the Garden of Gethsemane, where Jesus prayed before he was delivered up to be crucified, that cross must have stood a hundred feet high. It was the ultimate giant, and no one else could ever face anything like that. In that moment, what did Jesus say? And what did he do? He said, My Father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. Jesus, having a long view of the past and a longer view of the future, courageously and obediently walked towards that giant. He didn't live in the moment. He didn't let discouragement or fear bring him down. But he mightily and powerfully faced that giant and destroyed sin and death. Now you too can trust God with the giant in your life. You can stand to face the giant when you stop living in the moment. When you stop letting fear and discouragement ruin you, you can stand to face a giant when you courageously and obediently put your faith in God. Let's pray.
Father, I know that I face a lot of giants. And Lord, there's giants in my life now that I face. Father, I know that if we're all honest in this room, we all have giants that we're up against. Father, whatever they might be, we thank you that you can overcome them. Father, we thank you for the example of Joshua and Caleb who stood strong despite the opposition, despite the encouragement, despite the fear. They put their courage in you. They obeyed what you had said. They looked back to what you had done in their life and they trusted your promises. Father, I pray that for us. I so badly want to be like Joshua and Caleb. I want to have a long view of the past and a longer view of the future. When things are hard in the moment, I want to be able to see past my own nose. Father, help us to not live in the moment. Remind us of how good you are and how faithful you are. Thank you that you can overcome any giant that we face. Pray these things in your name. Amen.